Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirman Daf Yomi. My name is Yitzchak Shalom, and we are now in Masachet Babakama at the beginning of the sixth chapter, Parak Hakones. As we will see, there will be a subtle but noticeable shift in the focus of the material in the in this the sixth parak. And it begins with Afnun He Amud Bet. The uh, Mishnayot that are presented at the beginning of the parak include both Mishnah Aleph and Bet, but Mishnah Bet is not something we'll get to until the next podcast, so as is our method, we will uh, sk- omit it in our study today and go back to it in the next podcast. Tson Ladir. Now notice that we've shifted from shore as the typical animal to Tson, the flock. Tson Ladir. So if somebody brought his flock into the corral and locked up properly, we'll see what that means. And nonetheless, it went out and did damage. He's patur. But if he did not lock up properly, Now, let's say it fell down the fence, fell down to the gate, fell down at night. Or thieves broke it down. Then he's exempt. If the thieves themselves took the animal out and it did damage, and that's where we'll stop. We will make brief reference to the rest of the Mishnah, but uh, but we will look at it next time. What is considered proper and what is considered an insufficient uh, block or guard? A gate that will stay up in a normal wind. A gate that will not stand up in a normal wind is Shalokarui. Now, Now, we will all agree that this level of encagement or of uh, guarding the animal is minimal. We haven't tied the animal down. We've just put it in a corral and closed the door. Now, We've said that if you did so, then you are patur if it goes out. Our assumption for the moment is that the animal has gone out and done some violent damage, and we would have to then say that it's a shor muad, because there is nobody that says, in the case of a shor tam, such shmuad is enough to have you fully exempt. So Mani Barpati says, Montana muad We must be talking about a shor muad, and who is the authority who says that minimal shmuad is enough to create exemption for shor muad? Rabbi Yehuda, he, and this we saw at the end of the fourth parak, if the master tied him up and locked properly, in all those cases, you always need Shmiram Mi'ula. As you see in Pasuk 1 on the page, the Mu'ad is one who has not been properly watched, and this one is properly watched, and therefore you're exempt. Rabbi takes the opposite position as Ein lo elasakin. In the case of a shor muad, the only shmira is to kill him, meaning that when a shor muad does damage, there's never an exemption. Now, at this point we're thinking that our Mishnah is only authored by Rabbi Huda, and Rameir would disagree, and would say that in the case of our Mishnah, if you close the gate up properly, you're still liable. The answer is no. Afilu shani shen We know and we'll figure out how we know that our Mishnah is not referring to Karen anymore, but rather to Shane Varegel. And we know that when it comes to Shane Varegel, the Torah requires less Shmirah. How do we know? There are four things where the Torah did not require excessive guarding. 
Let's see. Bor, dichtiv, kiftach ishbor, kichreb ishbor v'lo yichasenu. If a man di- uh, uh, opens or digs a pit and doesn't cover it, what's the implication? Hakisao patur. If he covered it, he's patur, and he does not need to fill it in. Eish, dichtiv, shalem shalem hamavir tabeira. Who has to pay? The one who inflamed the flame. He really has to inflame it as somebody would make a flame go ahead. When he sends his animal into another field, as if he's sending him in to go eat from the other field. Both of them from the fourth pasuk on the page. If he sends him out, this we remember from the beginning of the Masachet, Vishilach Zeha Regal, that's a reference to Regal, Bachin Homer, Mashachir Regal Hashor Bachamor, Ubiyar Zahashen, Bachin Homer, Ad Kashe Vayer Hagalal, Ad Tumo. Alright, remember from the beginning of the Masachet that Yabiyar uh, is Shein, and Vishilach uh, is Regal, and so we know that Pasuk is referring to the two of them, and in both cases, you're only liable if you really sent it out somewhat purposely, or at least your negligence was fairly obvious, as opposed to if you put some sort of a guard, like a corral with a fence that shouldn't fall down, that would be good enough. Okay, I'm a rabbi, and now we get to what I mentioned at the beginning, <coughs> which is that if you look at our Mishnah carefully, you will see the same point made, diktani tson, the Mishnah suddenly uses tson, mechti b'shor kaskin va'ati, up until now we've been talking about a shore. It's always the example, the shore falls into the bore, etc. Shore falls backwards, shore falls forwards. Nitni shore, why didn't the Mishnah hear you shore? Ma'ishna diktani tson, amishim dator miyata b'shmiratan, and not because you have less responsibility to watch the flock, but rather, we're not talking about Karen. We're talking about Shen Varegel. In other words, typically when the Torah talks about Karen, the Torah talks about short. When it talks about Shen Varegel, we're talking about any animal. So we, the, the Tana picked Tzon, so we would know we're talking about Shen Varegel. So therefore, they're always muad, and nonetheless, there's a requirement of very minimal shmirah, and that's what our Mishnah is, and Rameir would agree. Now, a tangent which relates to this. There's four things that if you do them, you have what we will call moral culpability, but legal exemption, meaning the court cannot uh, hold you liable or make you pay, but in the moral reality, you do have some guilt here. If you tear down a fence in the presence of your friend's animal, and then the animal goes out and does damage, if there's a fire, and then you take the other fellow's stalk and bend it right in front of the fire, you hire false witnesses, or you know testimony that will help your friend, and you don't testify on his behalf. Now, let's see all four of these, and we have to see two opposite things. First of all, why in these cases are you not legally liable, and you are morally culpable? And second of all, is this really the exhaustive list? If you break to down the fence in front of the animal, what's the case? If we're talking about a good, strong fence, you're liable because you destroy the guy's property. Ella, it must be bekotel ra'ua, it must be a broken down wall, uh, a, a shaky wall. I'm a mar, so let's now go ahead. If you knock down, if you hold down the stalk of the other fellow right in front of a fire, hechidami, what's the case? If it's a case where now, because you bent it over, a normal wind will come and get this stalk, with the, bring the fire to the stalk. 
Now you're chayev because you really put his thing right into the fire. It must be that you bent it down and it was an unusual wind that came along and and burned it where it was. Now Rashi has a different take. We're not talking about where you bent it, but where you buried it. And remember, when you have something buried, there's no uh, liability for Aish. Okay, and that's why you're liable, because had you not done anything, the Mazik would have had to pay. But now that you buried this guy's stock, the Mazik is off the hook and the Nizak loses. The third item was hiring false witnesses. What's the story? If you're hiring them for yourself to get you off the hook of paying, then you have to pay because you really owe somebody else money and you hired these false witnesses. Must be you did it on behalf of somebody else. We said if the fourth item is if you know testimony that will help a fellow and you don't testify for him. Again, but my asking, what's the case? Elam betray, if it's you and another guy, which means your reluctance to testify really costs him. Pshita doraitahu, that's already a din doraita, that you're, li- that you are absolutely obligated to go testify, because one of the shvuot is shvuataidutim, lo yagid vnasavono, and you are culpable and held uh, responsible if you don't testify. Elabachad, it must be you're the only witness. The two leka, are there no other examples of and we have a long list. If you do malacha with me with the waters of the paraduma or the uh, or the animal itself. This we have had a couple of ago. If you put a poison in front of somebody else's animal. This we had much earlier in the Masechet. If you send some fire with an incompetent. If you scare somebody with a loud sound, you didn't touch him, so you're not liable. But If your pot broke in Roshit Rabim and you didn't clean it up, or your animal fell down and died and you didn't pick him up, you know, either, either way, your stuff remains as a liability out there in the public, or mayor machayev behezekan, or mayor says you're actually chayev. So we have this long list. The answer is in. You're right. Miha ikatuva. There are lots. Vahani eats three because these four cases that Rabbi Shua mentioned had to be taught because because these four are even more distant from liability. Perhaps you're not even chayev klape shemayim. Kamashvan. Now we'll go through all four and see why we would have thought you weren't liable that he had to say you are. That's the first one. Since, after all, this fence has to come down anyways, because it's a broken old fence, therefore the guy could say, I didn't do anything, I had to go down anyways. Therefore, it teaches us that you are chayiv klape shemayim. In our first take on number, item number two of Rabbi Yeshua, which is bending down the stalk, the guy could say, I didn't know that an uh, unusual wind, that's why it's called an unusual wind, I didn't know it was going to come. I shouldn't be chayiv at all. Rav Ashi, who said that the case of the stalk was really tamun, he said, I was hiding it for you. 
I did you a favor. I was trying to protect your stock by burying it and protecting it. That you are liable. What's our principle of an Because if I tell you to do something wrong, you were the one who made the bad decision. Well, listen to me. The same thing when I hire these witnesses who told them to go and take my money and go lie. They should have said, no, we're going to listen to Akkadish Baruch Hu and not lie. So therefore, maybe I'm not culpable. They're culpable. And the last one Remember, if there's only one witness and I come and testify, the other guy doesn't have to pay. He just has to take a shvua that he's uh, that he's uh, not liable. And if he can't take the shvua, he has to pay. So maybe the guy would have lied under oath. And therefore, I shouldn't be chayv v'dina shemaim because I didn't cause you any loss. Kamash I did. Okay, the next piece of the Mishnah said, We said that if the fence fell down at night or thieves broke it through and it goes out, he's he's uh, off the hook. Now, Rabba says something strange. He says that's only if the animal dug out and through the fence. So what if the animal doesn't dig out? Then chayav? So hechidami, what's the case? If you have a strong fence there, why are you chayiv even if it didn't dig out, if it fell out down some other way? What, what are you supposed to do? Let's say there's an earthquake or something and it makes it fall down. What are you supposed to do? You're onus. onus. It must be a shaky fence. How come your potter if he digs out? This is a classic case of setting things up with negligence and then the end is onus. Like the animal climbs up the roof and then jumps off. After all, if he let, leave, left the animal behind a shaky fence, that's pshia. Now, if you set something up negligently and then later the damage is caused by onus, that you're potter. So according to that side, you would say you're potter. But the position that we hold, which is that if you are negligent at the get-go, even though the end happens bonus, you're still liable. My equal the member. Why are why then would Rabbah say that you are um, that the case is shachatra? Why would it be that if you had a bad fence, even if the animal dug out, that you'd be part? You should be chayiv. We read Rabba wrong. The Mishnah is talking about a regular fence, strong fence, no matter how the animal gets out, whether uh, whether it fell down, it broke down, he dug out, it doesn't matter, you're potter. When did Rabba say chatra? On Mishnah Bet. And I told you there's a side mention in Mishnah Bet, which is, the Mishnah at the beginning of Mishnah Bet says, if you left the animal out in the sun, or you gave the animal to an incompetent watcher, and it went out and did damage, then you're chayiv. And Amarabah Filuchatra, Rabbah says, that's even true if, let's say, the Chereshet of a cotton were watching the animal, and the animal dug its way out. Certainly, if he, the animal didn't dig out, and the way, the reason it did damage was because you left it in the care of an incompetent, that's all pshia. Even if it dug out, because you would think, yeah, it started with pshia, but the actual damage happened because of an ones. That's all called pshia. Why? I knew that because you left the animal out in the sun, I knew the animal was going to do anything it could, it could do. 
to to get its way out. No animal wants to sit there in the sun. It's very difficult. Any tzedakah, any like little trick it's going to use, it's going to use to get out. And therefore, you are fully liable. This is not even sofa bonus. Okay, but so Rabba's comment is not on our Mishnah. Said that if the thieves took the animal out, they're chayiv. That's a no-brainer. They took the animal out. They now own it. For all uh, liabilities. So we're talking about a case where they stood in front of the animal, they never touched it, and they just walked around so the animal walked with them over to the other fellow's grains, because remember we're talking about Shane, uh, and they ate it, or Regal. In other words, they didn't pick it up or touch it. Just like the comment of Rav, if you take one person's animal and stand him in front of another animal, so obviously you're Chayev, so we're talking about a case where you just stood in front of the animal and just walked and he was kind of backing away from you and you walked him right towards the other fellow's food and then he ate the food. You didn't touch him at all, even though you're chayv. So that's what our Mishnah is talking about. Rabbi Yosef, he says, you know what you taught us, Rabbi Yosef? You taught us not that he was stood in front of his face, but rather he hit him with a stick. But he didn't touch the animal. He hit him with a stick to lead him towards the other guy's... Um, the other guy's stalk. So Abayah says, "Velistim nami The case of the listim in our Mishnah is also where they hit him with a stick, but they never actually picked him up or took possession in any way. Nonetheless, the chayav, and that is the chidush. Okay, we'll stop here. At the next podcast, we'll go back to Nunham and Bet at the top to look at Mishnah Bet, and then continue with our analysis of the Gemara here on Nun Vav Amud Bet. Everyone should have a wonderful day.